Before we start this show, just a word from our sponsor. 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest that pro wrestling has had to offer. Along with their awesome line of pro wrestling apparel, they do offer many services. In the world of wrestling, there are hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads. Don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. If you would like to discuss possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or whatever, drop them a line. Go to 20 by 20 apparel. That's the number 20 X, the number 20 apparel.com. Now let's get to the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bum me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yelling what it goes. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my asses. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh is the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. This is episode 96. And this episode's guest is Emily Reed, the co-owner and founder of the UK-based wrestling promotion Pro Wrestling Eve. Established in 2009, Eve prides itself as a riot girl of women's professional wrestling and being unapologetic, feminist, punk, and political. Back on May 5th, Eve ran Europe's biggest ever women's wrestling event, Wrestle Queendom, at the York Hall in Bethnal Green, London. The event featured Eve stars like Charlie Morgan, Sammy Jane, and Millie McKenzie, among others, and wrestling legends like Aja Kong and Miko Satamura. During our interview, we talked about the inception of the Wrestle Queendom event and how everything was planned for it, the Pro Wrestling Eve Bishopsgate Institute Hall of Fame, the lessons to be learned by being a woman in a male-dominated wrestling industry, creating safe spaces at Eve shows, being the figurehead of Eve, treating her individuality, the importance of mental health issues, and dealing with her own mental health. So let's get into the interview with Emily Reed of Pro Wrestling Eve. I can't remember when I first, you know, came up on uh, Pro Wrestling Eve. Uh, I think it was right when you maybe you guys first started doing the having the on-demand streaming, and you guys were getting yeah. a lot more um, sort of media attention for the for the organization and i was like oh this is pretty cool like um so i i I, you know i really like women's wrestling but like i love the style of pro wrestling eve 
Oh, thank you so much. Uh, we made a lot of noise. <laughs> and so we hoped like we could reach people and it was really awesome that we reached you. Right. It was like I was super excited for, uh, for Russell Kingdom. It was like such a good event, you know, one of my favorite events of this year. When you were going into, you know, doing uh, Russell Kingdom, when did you first have that idea to do an event like that? And how long did it sort of take to sort of get to actually doing that event? Well, um, we are always about that. This is when I say we, I'm talking myself and my husband, Dan, who runs Eve with me. We're always about how you make bold moves and you take chances because when you look at the history of progression in any area, the radicals are the ones who draw attention to it and then slow progress is made. But you have to have those people doing something massive to make a teeny tiny change. And we just figured, well, no one else is going to do it. So I guess it's going to be us. And we just have this thing when we're chatting about work and everything. And I think it was about a year before we were running Wrestle Queendom. And, you know, Eve was going well. We were able to start running monthly events. And then I think we are just like probably grabbing food. It was probably like 2 a.m. where we just finished <laughs> doing some work and we're going to get a couple of hours sleep before we get up with the kids in the morning. And Dan just um, said, because he'd actually spoken to Andy Quilden, and that's the Rev Pro promoter, and he runs um, York Hall regularly with Rev Pro. Okay. And he'd actually spoken to him and was like, "Hey, at any point, if we decided that we wanted to run this venue, would that be a problem?" And Quilden was like, "No, you know, Eve isn't competition for me. It's a completely different project product. We don't really have a fan crowd, so it's it's no problem." And we were like, "Cool." So Dan, I guess, already had this in the back of his mind, and he just went. Should we just book your call and do that then? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> and that's how we did it. So it's just one of those things where we'll be chatting and then one of us will be like, so, should we go have a chat with Aja Kong then? It's like, yeah, yeah, we should. We should do that. <laughs> that's what we do. Right. When, after, you know, you sort of had this idea for this event, you know, what were some of the first ideas that you had about, you know, what sort of matches or what you wanted to do with it? For me, a big part of it is that I wanted to make sure everyone was aware of what a big deal it was. Uh, so I wanted very much it, it to be, well, really, I wanted it to just be like all of our Eve shows, but a bigger version, exactly like how when WWE didn't run as many pay-per-views, how all the pay-per-views seemed like a really big deal. You'd have the stories and it'd build up to the pay-per-view. Right. And that, for me, Wrestle Queendom was, we had our stories, we had She Won, and it was the road to Wrestle Queendom. And that's what Wrestle Queendom, it's the big payoff, it's a big pay-per-view, it's the accumulation of a lot of storylines. And with every Eve show, we always book high-quality talent, we always have high-quality matches. And so that's what Wrestle Queendom was from the very beginning. We knew that it would be good match after good match. Um, we knew that Viper, that um, someone that she'd always idolised was Asha Kong. Uh, and we had, well, Dan had spoken with her about what if we could make that a reality. Uh, that's actually one of the funniest ones. The person that we work with 
uh, in Japan, our contact there who helps us book the talent and, and helps us work with people there is Amy Sakura, who you would have seen at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. And she's worked with us for eight years and she's a lovely person and she's very, very highly respected within the business. Um, and she has contacts with a lot of people or is able to help us. And Nate, uh, Eve has got a very good reputation over there. And uh, so, yeah, it's not something we ever have an issue with. So Manami Toyota, Emmy was like, yeah, yeah, no, Heiko, we can, we can uh, get messages to her and you can talk. That's good. And when we said Aja Khan, she went, oh, you sure? <laughs> and we were like, yeah, yeah, no, this would, this would be good, right? And she just went, yeah, Aja, uh, it's uh, not gimmick, not gimmick. <laughs> and we were like, oh, yeah, no, we want to work with Aja. <laughs> and it's the first person she's just been like, are you, are you sure, though? Because, you know, that's, that's, um, that's quite the person you're picking. <laughs> but, yeah, we wanted the big matches that meant something and right. they're also just high quality wrestling matches and yeah the thought never entered into our minds that we'd want to try and get like a former wwe showcase type thing going on for the main event because i don't know why it didn't enter our minds we were just confident in eve and confident in our brand and we didn't want it to be like a fake show so we said everyone's coming for eve but really everyone's coming because Somehow Trish Stratus is there. I don't know. <laughs> what was so great about uh, Wrestle Queendom was that all the matches were different. They were yes. sort of different types of matches. How important was it to make everything unique? Um, I think it's important in every wrestling show to be like that. Uh, one of the reasons that Dan is actually well-respected with actually within the wrestling business is because of he is extremely talented with actual structural booking of wrestling shows. And it's something that's overlooked now because we've got all of these wonderful matches and it's really easy to just book a show that's great match, great match, great match, great match. Right. But they can all be quite similar. And Dan's actually someone who's, actually able to take that step and really structure it to make it not just that every match is great match, great match, but also that they're all bringing something different and they're all fitting the flow of the show. At this point, you want this kind of one, because if you don't do that, then the audience can get too tired and they're not there and they're not ready to enjoy the second match. And that's not fair on those two women going out for that match, just because the crowd's tired and they're not wanting what you're giving them. And that really say a comedy match would be better because the crowd's tired, but you've got them laughing. That's more laid back. That's nice. We can do that. So, yeah. So it was, although it was important, it was always something that was going to happen because that's just how we book shows. When going into the, uh, Russell Queendom and like sort of wanting to make it this sort of big event, you know, what are you telling all the all the women uh, that are booked for this show? You know, how how are, how is everybody you know sort of bringing out their A game to make it even more special than a regular Eve show? It actually all started with she won, where because it was such a clear nod to G1, all of the women on the roster, they just immediately knew like, oh, okay, so we're not just doing our, our badass, we can do good matches shows. 
we're we're doing we're doing the best of the best proper let's try and beat everything wrestling matches it's like yep that's what we're doing and so we did she won and everyone was bringing that a game and there was I think it's so good that we had that as well because that was their first experience of really having that pressure on and really trying to get through also it's absolutely grueling tournament for them to go through doing those you know four matches over two days it's incredible what they go through but that in itself helped them with that that feeling of bringing their a game and really making sure that they're on form and it it already felt special Eva's always had a special environment because we're we've always been very open and it's always been uh, an all women's space with the wrestling we've been going eight years and people know us so they always know that they can feel safe and it always brings this lovely bonding attitude. We're all there. We're all working towards the same goal. So it's always had this special atmosphere. But when we ran She Won, the wrestlers started seeing it as like, OK, we've got to raise our game even higher than we ever had before. But you know what? We can. So the pressure was there, but it's something they knew that they could achieve and they were excited. And then Wrestle Queendom was getting closer and it was almost like this electricity running through the locker room because it was such a big deal. And we were walking into the boys club and we were walking in there and we were just like, look at us. And everyone, I can't imagine what they were going through because they would know all of women's wrestling was going to be judged on them. So if they all had off nights, then everyone would say women can't wrestle. And I, I can't imagine that pressure to be like, oh, great, you know, I missed up a spot for the first time ever, I've never done it before. And now everyone thinks no woman can wrestle and that I can't wrestle just because I had an off night. So it was a lot of pressure, but it was just this really great vibe. And backstage on Wrestle Queendom, it was just this real exciting, magical buzz. Uh, and I'm now wondering, like, did I, have I just answered the first part of that question? I started talking, and I was thinking back to all the excitement Oh, no, no, and just now, go on. I can't remember if I've, like, missed the end of the question or... Oh, no, no, you, you answered it, uh, like, fully and even more than what I was expecting. Like, what was, <laughs> uh, what was um, crazy about uh, Wrestle Queendom is that there was a lot of, like, really great moments that really will help define this organization for years to come. You had, like, Charlie Morgan jumping off the balcony. You had uh, Rhea O'Reilly jumping off the cage, you know, it was yeah. stuff like that. You know, what were some of your favorite moments of it? My favorite moments of it? Um, when I stepped out onto the stage, it had been decided when we had a production meeting it had been de decided that I would do the speech that I normally do in the ring beforehand that would still do that, but that we would air it on the live stream. Okay. Uh, not, uh, not cut it like we do on, on demand. I don't believe you see me doing a, a chat where I'm telling you, you know, don't say this, don't say that. We keep that just for the live audience when I kind of just give them the rules of Eve. Yeah and go on so that we decided that I would do that on the stage and then it was really that moment's a favorite moment not me being on there but it was I walked out onto the stage and I knew we were live and I had to stand there and kind of be confident and everything and that was the time where I looked and I saw the setup 
and I looked up and I saw the signs that me and the crew had been painting while we were setting up and putting the tape on and I saw where they'd put them up in the building because I wasn't there to put them up we I did some of the painting but then I had other bits that I had to be going on with and I saw them and I saw some kids in the audience I saw faces of people that I know from coming to our shows and then I saw faces of people that I didn't recognize and it, I think that's when it hit me where I was just like, this is for women's wrestling um, and this is something special. We've done something special. Um, other favourite moments? I got to say, let the war games begin, which is super cheesy childhood <laughs> dream. Just being, And there was like three people kind of like kind it in front of me who went way like a proper way kind of moment and then there's a load of people who didn't understand why I yelled that that was fun um yeah. it was just it's little things for me it's like uh Nina Samuels walking down to the ring and just being like wow she just has this next level superstar vibe coming off her right. um and it's the same actually with so many of the women who I know have that vibe. Like, I already know Rhea has that vibe. I know all of them can do that. But sometimes people just level up. And that, for me, is Nina went from being really, really good and she stepped out for her introduction uh, for the ladder match. And it was just like, oh, wow. Like, suddenly, boom, she's up that tiny level more. So that was a great moment. Aja coming out and suddenly being the most terrifying looking human ever. <laughs> it, was, it was just people making their entrances were a big bit for me because it was like, it's Aja Kong. And then I looked, I'm like, oh, it's Aja Kong. Right, right. <laughs> she's quite terrifying and she's walking towards us. Um, Charlie jumping off that balcony and oh, I can tell you a story about Charlie going off the balcony um, obviously, we knew she was going to do that. But every time I've seen a balcony dive, certainly off a high one, people just kind of just jump off, but it's like just going down, you know? Right. Like, they just kind of like, whoop, they almost like lean forward and do a, li a little teeny jump, and down they go. But And, and they also always hesitate, and are like, oh, am I going to go? And then they go. Yes. And then Charlie gets up there, and she just like does the suck it thing, and then freaking flies off of it just leaps she did when people say there's a balcony dive i've never seen one done where it's a balcony dive one of our crew members who was there to help catch said it was the most terrifying in on his life because he looked up and then everyone went oh no and everyone had to shuffle backwards <laughs> everyone was like no 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 so not only did she do that she did that when there was no one where she was gonna land and they all had to go backwards like oh no <laughs> i noticed that too about her uh jump was that yeah when she went up there she didn't do that that regular hesitation that everybody does or do that sort of dramatic pause she just did it and then did this crazy yeah. dive and i was like holy crap that was awesome it was it was so amazing her whole match and the atmosphere in the audience through that match was just amazing and then i've never been i've never witnessed it where you get the three count and everyone leapt to their feet i've never seen that before where it was just like a, like it was just a wave of like yes of everyone diving up 
And that was that was special. And it was just at the end, uh, when we got in the ring, one of the wrestlers leant over to me and just said, what have we done? And I went, what do you mean? And she just went, what have we done with broken wrestling? There are fans crying in the audience. What have we done? <laughs> and it was just because it was so emotional. Um, so it was just the crowd and how they were reacting and how every performer on the show, everyone was just there. I don't think there was a single person who they were having an off night. And it was just perfect. I, I just loved all of it. One of probably the moment on a personal note that meant the most was just speaking to the roster and the crew beforehand. I got to tell them the news about the Pro Wrestling Eve Hall of Fame. And it's actually the Bishopsgate Institute Pro Wrestling Eve Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I wanted to uh, bring that up. Yeah, um, Tell more about that. Well... The Bishopsgate Institute is, if you just Google them, if you look at the building, that will pretty much tell you everything about their importance because it's right by Liverpool Street Station. So it's central London. It's got flipping turret bits on it. It has a Victorian library with a stained glass ceiling. It is stunning. I wandered in there because they contacted us. And the first thing I replied was, we don't have any money because I just kind of felt like maybe they want some money off of us. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we, we would like to start an archive for you, uh, you know, in our feminist history section. And we were like, we don't we don't have any money. <laughs> and then they replied like, no, 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 no. For historical purposes, we've seen the movements you're doing. We've seen what you stand for. We want to record you as a part of history. And we're just like, right. And so we go in for this meeting and we walk into this building and it is the first time where I just honestly been like, there has been a horrible mistake and they're going to usher me out of here immediately. <laughs> <laughs> you know <what> I mean? Right. <laughs> I'm just standing there like, this is, this is, this is too fancy. I am not fancy enough to be standing in this building, but they are wonderful, warm and welcoming people. And they really really uh they're so behind lgbt rights in the community they're so behind uh women and women's rights they are an amazing foundation and when we were talking to them about the history of women's wrestling in this country and around the world and the inequality and how people like johnny saint are seen as a wrestling legend but klondike hate no one talks about her no one treats her in that way and she should be. She should be remembered in the same light. She was there. She went through all of the same things. Um, and just imagine more for the predatory that she would have gone through through being a woman. And it is another case of women being deleted from history. The fact that before we brought it up, people didn't realise there'd been a 50 year long ban of women's wrestling in London. And they didn't realise that Mitzi Mueller had led the way with other women to break that ban so that women could wrestle there. So it's a lot of women's wrestling history that no one knows about or no one talks about. And when we spoke to them about how in wrestling there's a Hall of Fame, they asked more about it. And they asked if it could be the Bishopgate Institute's Hall of Fame. Um, and the Bishopgate Institute Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame then was born. And I got to have everyone sat down and I hadn't told them anything about it. And I got to sit them down and tell them how women's wrestling not only will our 
footage and our posters and banners and T-shirts be in this Victorian library and in this archive. But also we're going to have the details and the names in history. Their names are in history and how the women who've come before them who helped pave the way, their names are going to finally be remembered and acknowledged and recognised and that we have been making a difference and that the world is noticing. And I got to tell them that. And it was, it, it um, yeah, people were in tears and it just, and, and we're saying like, it just means so much to have been fighting for so long. And also people who've been wrestling for a long time over here, just wanting just a, a bit of recognition right, for the right. fact that you're a veteran wrestler and also remembering when you're on the road with some of the women and some of the stories you'll hear off them of what they went through. And it is horrific, the kind of things that they went through, but they kept going for their passion of wrestling and to, to know that those stories will be told and that those women will be acknowledged and remembered and to know that you've been part of a movement like that, it just meant a lot. And with Wrestle Queendom there, we could all feel like, so let's keep making history and let's keep doing this. And our fight is is not in vain. People are noticing. So we might not be getting, uh, you know, headlines on all the wrestling news sites, but a freaking actual institute, National Archive, is asking us, specifically if they can be recording our history in 500 years scholars can go in and watch your matches that's cool now that this, the ball's rolling on this sort of you know where are you going with it you know how are you going to you know be able to sort of you know go back in history and find stuff to sort of put in this archive well i'm very lucky um i've got three people actually i have my husband who has got one of those weird wrestling memories that <laughs> records data like just it's ridiculous and the thing is i will say this and i know loads of people will be able to answer it and they will wow me but it's stupid things when i can be like oh dan uh some slam 94 what was the main event and he'll be like oh it was, this went on and then there was that and this it's like i don't know how you know that but you you know can't put your socks in the dirty bin and it's just <laughs> <laughs> um, right, right. One of, yeah so he's got that kind of wrestling memory so i have him and i also have oh gosh i always call him dr tom and i'm gonna say he's dr tom phillips and I am not confident that that is his surname because I only ever call him Dr. Tom. He's a professor and he's actually done a lot of research and is continuing to do so and is writing a book on women's wrestling history. And we also have our referee who's just having some time off for health reasons at the moment. And she's Heather Honey Badger, and she's also a female wrestling historian uh, on women's wrestling. And she's uh, writing a book as well so and they have they're both actually part of the Eve crew and they've both got together and you know they're working together on it in the sense that they're making sure that their books don't over clash and over on, on competition but rather complementary for each other one moment ace stop telling off your sister <laughs> you're naughty 
Hey, Fussy. Thank you. This is my dog. She is Ace. She's named after the Doctor Who companion. Oh, nice. <laughs> but she does not have a baseball bat. Oh, okay. Because she's a dog, so that would be silly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we have, we actually have basically three historians. No, four. We have four historians because actually one of our film crew, she is also a women's wrestling historian and her um, uh, research goes all the way back to when they were all mistress so-and-so and and mistress so-and-so doing the wrestling. Like hers goes so, so far back. It's incredible. And she just sent me over some of her manuscript that I can read and it's just the the facts and the details she's dug out so we actually have these three wrestling historians who happen to be part of our crew um along with my husband who have got this amazing knowledge and I know I'm not putting my brain doesn't hang on to facts like that I have the passion and the love of wrestling um but I'm I don't know. I think I'm I'm honoured to work around people who just either have been around wrestling so much longer or they're just so knowledgeable. I I know so many people in wrestling who are so knowledgeable in different parts of wrestling. It's a real um, honour to get to work with them and it's lovely just to listen to them talk and learn about these details um, that I've never even thought of. So, yes. But I never say that I'm the knowledgeable one. I, I kind of feel like wrestling kind of grabbed me and I'm along for the ride you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm just here There's, it's too late to get off so right. I'm here and I love it and I'm loving the ride but yeah I feel like it grabbed me I'm not entirely sure I'm in control <laughs> <laughs> right when it comes to like this history of women's wrestling a cornerstone of that story is breaking down barriers and a lot of that has to do with sort of that you know good old boys network of professional wrestling mixed with with just what how society viewed women in various you know roles and various art forms and whatnot in doing eve for you know now it's been eight years you know whether you know whether it's the the women that are you know on all the shows uh the women that come in as students you know is there anything is there lessons that you try to make sure that everybody learns in regards to sort of how to you know deal with being a woman in this um, wrestling, pro wrestling industry that is very much male dominated. I'm trying to think of the best way to uh, put into words. When we started Eve, even though it was only eight years ago, part of it, along with giving women the platform to actually be able to be as good as the men and show people they're as good as the men, Part of it as well was having a little oasis where there was none of that and no one had to worry about it because the idea of changing it just seemed impossible. You know, we'd try, but it just seemed impossible. There would be, there's wrestlers that we would warn off trainees, repeating to them like she is 14 and, uh, you know, you need to stop this. Um, we would do everything we could to, to get the girl away and to stop the guy. But people do what just, it was, we did everything we could, but we just couldn't eradicate something that was so there. So we protected 
as many people as we could. And we made this little oasis where we could bring the people in and at least they'd know if they were there that they were safe. And also it gave them a safe place to talk, which means altogether they could say things like, by the way, when I was working with this guy, he locked me in the locker room with him and I couldn't get out. And because obviously, because I was locked and it's only coincidental that I made, you know, I was able to make enough noise and this different wrestler heard and he broke the door in for me. Um, and this is someone who's booked loads on there or they could be like, you know, they tell each other when you're on a road trip, if so-and-so's in the car with you, make sure you don't fall asleep. Not just because it's breaking the wrestler rule, which is that you're meant to stay awake on car trips, but because once I fell asleep and broke the wrestler rule and woke up with that guy fingering me. Um, and they could actually tell people, tell each other that in a safe area so that they could look out and be safer around those wrestlers. Um, the reason I'm saying that is because I think it's important to remember and know just how bad it could be and some of the stuff that they used to have to be dodging. Now, they're still having to dodge some stuff. I imagine still some very horrendous things will go on. But I do believe from what I'm hearing that generally speaking, things have not only got a lot better, but continue to do so. The We very much continue on our oasis theory on the fact that what we have is very much building our foundation and hoping and continuing the outreach. So it's being open and talking, making sure people know the the people that you maybe don't want to be around. Personally, for me, if, if a wrestler comes to me and is like, is there anyone you would say you won't work with? I will very openly tell them a list of wrestlers that I would suggest they don't spend time with and I won't mince my words. I won't sit there and being like, they did this one time, they did this one time. I would just be like, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, don't be around them if you can help it. Or if you are, keep an eye out, this guy, this guy, this guy. Just keep your eye on them. I mean, I don't know if they're that bad, but keep your eyes open. Generally, so I'll do things like that to take care of them. We also have the London School of Lucha Libre which is the same venue that where we run our shows, the same venue where we run Eve Academy. They are a brilliant school in the fact that they teach their students behavior. And so they won't allow like the really stupid ribbing. That's just not allowed. That's not acceptable in their school. They won't allow that stupid ego behavior and hierarchy stuff. It is respectful, but they take it in that we are all family. We're all encouraging each other. It's the only place where I've ever seen students so genuinely happy that someone has got on a main show in a big spot when they haven't and not being bitterly jealous like well I've been training longer than them and I didn't get that spot none of that it's incredible they're just so pleased that their friend has managed to do that and their friend will be like you know the, the other trainee will be like yeah and you're doing so great and you've done this now and that's awesome it is so supportive they immediately welcome you in they welcome any newcomer and you know if that newcomer turns out to be a bit of an ass that newcomer never lasts long because they don't seem to be able to survive in a friendly environment. Right. And we were, so that is something that's making a huge difference because those trainees are going out into the wrestling world. And although it's a shock for them when they see how some people act, they've still got their ethics and their morals and know what the right thing to do is. And so we're kind of like creating our own bubble and just sending it out into the wrestling world. And we do the same with Eve Academy. That that's that's the same. We teach you how to be a good wrestler and how to be a more confident person. 
I will happily tell anyone who they shouldn't be around, but we're sending good people and keeping them safe out into the wrestling world. So, yeah, it's maybe not the answer you were looking for, but it's more that we're trying to actively make changes. I don't teach them anything more in particular. It's just standard things that I would give any woman with advice, which is like talking to strangers on the Internet and make sure it's this and people might say that. The biggest things that they get told advice-wise over their gender is you'll hit a point where if you are media pretty, is how I will put it, the kind of pretty image that the media like using, um, and you're going out doing reasonable, kind of poor reasonable, doing wrestling matches where you're green as hell, you are definitely going to get a solid number of fans and probably boys in the back who are telling you that you are great and you have to keep your head on your shoulders and you have to trust talking to Rhea and to Greg, who are our trainers, and to Dan and talking to me. And if we're telling you you're not there yet, you're not there yet. Because one of the biggest things that seems to stop women is the fans who tell them that they're good before they are. Either because they don't want to upset a woman or because they were too busy looking at them as something that's pretty or because they have subconsciously lowered their standards. So the biggest one that I'm probably telling them specifically because of their gender is actually don't let people feed your ego and tell you you're great before you're great. Use it. If the fans are loving you and want to buy things, sure, absolutely use it and keep it on. But be smart. Learn how to wrestle matches that don't expose you that much so that you can actually get to the level of being good. And by the time they're maybe thinking, hang on a minute, maybe she's not as good as I think, they'll never hit that. Because by that point, by the time they're realizing, you'll already be good. That's the theory. Hide. (laughs) (laughs) Over these years in creating this oasis, and you mentioned that like the beginning of each of the shows, you run down, you know, the rules of, you know, behavior. How, How sort of diligent have you had to be in regards to you know, enforcing these rules in, uh, in your crowds throughout the years? We have crew members who we identify so that people in the audience know who they can go and talk to. We also have some crew members who we don't identify who are throughout the audience listening to people. So, you know, we're, they're, they're there to they get to, they've kind of got a sweet job. It's like they get to be there and enjoy the show and enjoying the crowd. And if they hear someone being a douche, they know they can get them kicked out. And that's nice. (laughs) We, I don't know the diligence. It's a small venue. So we can very easily identify and remove people. It has not been that much of an issue. I think the moment people realize that we enforce it and that we're no, not joking. And that when we say, if you yell something, like a big one is slut shaming because um, sex isn't vulgar. I'll try again. Sex isn't vulgar. Slut shaming is, is one of the things I say at the beginning of the show. So if you're yelling out a slut shaming thing, uh, one of the wrestlers, you're gone and you're out. And people have seen us remove people from the building. There was another man. He was just kept trying to look down the top of one of the trans women in the audience. And he was making her obviously so uncomfortable. Anyone would feel uncomfortable, but he was just making such inappropriate comments. Um, And she actually, I think, 
it's something common of a, of a lot of women to just try to kind of just kind of accept it and pretend it was not happening and hope it would go away. And he kept it on. And the moment she told us that he was um, he was asked to leave and he's not been allowed back. This is actually someone who had been coming to Eve since our very first show. So I think that was the one where people realized, OK, not only have they dealt with that quickly, they've dealt with like one of their first friends who has always been coming. No one is safe, basically. If we say that we'll remove you, we'll remove you. And the moment people realize that we enforce the rules, people just stop doing that. And the environment is lovely. And I think wrestling fans really appreciate that. When you've got somewhere where you know you can feel safe and you can, the only thing you have to think about is enjoying the show. you can just enjoy the show. What a wonderful environment. You don't have to be there and think, well, is this guy going to do this or is this person going to do that? No, you don't have to worry about any of that. The only thing you need to think about is the wrestling show and people enjoy that. And so they really kind of all get together to keep that feeling going. And it is the number of people as well who've said they've made such good friends at Eve shows because They'll, they'll say, like, I came along for my first time and the person next to me when they heard I hadn't come before were saying, like, oh, well, you know, do you, if you if you want me to help you with anything, I'll tell you. And they just said they chatted to me about throughout the whole show <laughs> and now we're really good friends. And nice. they just said, like, I'm not entirely sure how it happened, but they were helping me and they this person had never seen, never seen any wrestling. <laughs> so they were like, oh, they explained to me that the referee has to count to three and they only have to do it once. And that means that that person... Since one, like they didn't know anything. They just came along because, you know, they like glow and thought it seemed awesome. <laughs> and it's really it's it's really great that we've got that kind of atmosphere and that kind of vibe going on. The other one, this is my advice to anyone wanting to run women's wrestling shows and not wanting the people who are there to see a different type of wrestling show the people who are there for different reasons right um who you know i get emails asking you know can i can i wrestle some of the women can you know can i can can i have a video of the rest right right oil can you do that kind of thing and i don't get offended at those emails i just redirect them to a company that does that the fact is our company does not do that and I don't like dishonesty and I don't like the people coming along when they know that's not what our company is. They know that's not the performance we're putting on, yet they're standing there wanting to see that. And and they're standing there like, oh, like just like hands in their pockets, the whole one watching the show. And it, it just, I hated it from there. You'd get it from the beginning of wrestling and you know the people. You've most likely seen them at shows where you're just like, oh, you're here for a different reason. Yeah, and yeah, of course. Everyone knows, but you're not technically doing anything wrong, so we can't kick you out. My advice to promoters, it's the best thing we've ever done, get on a strong woman performer who does something like neo-burlesque and have that act on. Because I tell you what, the moment we had low, low brow come on and she, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so she introduced herself and said, hello, darlings, my name's Lolo Brow, and I take off my clothes for money. Why? Because I fucking can. (laughs) You're welcome. The moment she came on, then she did her strip, she did her burlesque act. Um, She's just amazing. 
She goes, she sits at the side. Those people left and they never came back. <laughs> and it's the weirdest thing. The moment they had a woman who owned the fact, like, yes, you look at me. You look at me, take off my clothes, and I'm damn entertaining when I do it. Um, the moment someone did that, they didn't want to look anymore. So, yeah, my advice to anyone wanting to make sure that women aren't sexualized in their shows, put on a strong woman who is owning her own sexuality. And those people leave because they don't like women. They want to sly perv on the women. They don't want a strong woman there. So, yeah, that was interesting. I didn't expect it. Oh, and also, oh, no, I won't say that one, actually. No, <laughs> that might be it's too dirty. <laughs> <laughs> when, when it comes to the wrestling promotions, both in the UK and all through uh, Europe, do you think it's, it's gotten better for, for, for women and even, you know, people of, you know, of color or, or people of the, you know, LGBT community to, you know, attend these, uh, to just be in attendance of the shows? Because sometimes, like, here in the States... Um, I know that there is, you know, certain promotions that, that, that women don't necessarily want to go to um, at all, even if they're with somebody else. Um, and I've even seen, you know, I've been to shows where I see really, you know, gross, you know, comments being uh, shouted out. But, you know, has things gotten better, you know, out in the UK and Europe in regards to, you know, non-straight men yeah. going to shows? It's a difficult one for me to say, purely because it seems, I think it's quite hard for anyone to comprehend the UK at the moment, especially when you know how small we are, we are, just how many wrestling promotions we have. I think it was something like 50 different promotions run in London, just London. Jeez. That's not taking in the rest of the country. We have a lot of wrestling promotions out here. So I can't speak for all of them because I, I couldn't name them. Sometimes people will say a name to me and I'm like, just like, what's that then? They'll be like, oh, it's a, it's a wrestling company. They've been running a year now. I'm like, right, of course they have. It's just, there's just so many. I'm trying so hard. But yeah, they're popping up all over the place. And so I cannot say for sure. I have been noticing a change though. I can say with Resistance Gallery, and we have, I believe, seven wrestling promotions running out of the Resistance Gallery. So that's where we do our wrestling show. That's where there's Eve and there's Lucha Britannia and a lot of wrestling companies. Project W is running out of there as well. It's where Will Ospreay, the school he trained at, and it's where he does some of the training bits with his new uh, young lion. So that's very... Um, yeah, that's it's it's a really well used venue, and all of those shows, women definitely, and people of color, people in the LGBT community definitely know that they can come to, because even if the show doesn't enforce it, if the staff there see something like that happening, they're removing them because at the end of the day, it's their building, and they they just there's no room for that in any of our lives, so they're gone. So I know people can feel safe there. And I know there are other places that people talk about where they've got really great environments. Off the top of my head, I know people say Riptide, definitely. Um, this is terrible because I'm trying to remember. I know people have said Attack um, is a really great one. Um, ooh, 
I'm trying to think of it's when you try and name specifics. It is difficult <laughs> right. because it is, yeah, it's like half 11. So my brain is not wanting to name anything apart from those two, just those two. <laughs> <laughs> right. no, but there, there are definitely promotions where people feel safe going to in this country. So I do feel it is most likely got a little bit better. Personally, I am just really, really angry at the promoters. Wrestling is in a boom at the moment. We are so lucky with the number of talented wrestlers we have in this country as well. British wrestling is just massively, it's so massive talent pool, massive amount of promotion, so much going on. Those promoters need to start removing people who behave badly. It's not rocket science. And Yes, you'll lose that person and they won't come back. But really, that's what, 10, 15, 20 pounds. And people knowing that you do that means that those people who are afraid to go to shows are going to be able to come to your shows. And just as a decent human being, don't you don't want the racist money. Who wants to be in a room with them? Right, right. And also, oh. It's one of those things where I just think really the only person, like if someone came and yelled out some horrendous racial comments, I almost feel like our security would change from removing them to the building to protecting them while removing them from the building, just so (laughs) other people don't get in trouble because we are, they are so against our beliefs, but the promoters need to step up and to be honest, if I was a fan, I would be just starting to say, your crowd is acting like this. I gave it a go. I thought it could have been a one-off that I've come, but consistently over the past four shows, this same person is saying this and you're keeping them there and I'm not coming now. And people, like, do do they have to start doing that? Is that the way we're going to get promoters to learn? I do not know. But I think that they very much need to be the ones taking more responsibility. And also, if you've given the rule and said, well, I tell them not to do that, then it's like parenting. If you've got your kid in the car and you tell them, hey, if you don't quieten down, we're going to turn round, that kid's never going to quieten down because they know you're never going to turn round. Well, the way I parent is if I say, hey, if you don't quieten down, we're going to turn round, I turn round. If they don't quieten down, then we go home. So I never, ever, ever give out a punishment as as like a threat, so to speak. I never give a consequence for a child's actions unless I am prepared to follow through. And I think promoters should do the same. If you tell your audience, if you do this, you have to leave, then you make them leave. If not, there's no point in having the rule because it's not a rule. You're just basically saying, I'd prefer if you didn't do this, but if you do, eh. I get really angry, sorry. (laughs) It's all good. Speaking of... uh promoters out in the uk about a month ago um your husband dan did uh did this thread about the the presence of women's matches in the uk and mm. um i have it in front of me so um quickly uh just break down the um the the stats that he came up with you know it's kind of like the difference between women's wrestling is great in right now instead of it's, it's basically more marginally improved um yeah. the um what he did was he randomly selected a weekend, Friday through Sunday, and he found that there was 33 events that took place in the UK. And of those 33 wrestling events, 17 of them did not feature a women's wrestling match whatsoever. And then, during that weekend, there was a total of 216 wrestling matches in the UK. 
196 of them were men's matches. 17 of them were women's matches, and three were intergender. Just And that was just 7.87% of the matches in the UK that weekend were women's matches. There were 579 jobs shared out of rest, uh, to wrestlers in the UK that weekend, and just, 90, and just 59 of them were taken by women. And that 50, uh, 59 were repeat women do, uh, multiple times. Yeah, it wasn't 59 different women, yeah. Yeah, it was just 59 instances of that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, when you like, sort of like, look at those statistics... Like what pops what pops out at you in regards to what you're doing and what other uh, sort of what the promotions could be doing? This is it's it's basically my big problem, and it's why I get I am that angry feminist. I'm fine with taking that, and when people say that to me, I'm like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, next. Next, I also have a big nose. Do how many other obvious points do we want to do? We want to go with. I am that angry feminist, and the worst thing that happened after Queendom is a number of people who are like, "Well done, you did it. Look at that. Look at what you did." So you know, back to Resgar now. Off you go. You know, that was enough. You know, like a little pat on the head. They didn't think that we would ever run another big show. They were just like, "That's enough. You're done now. Uh, you fixed it." You know, look at that. And it's ridiculous. People genuinely seem to think, one, that that was good enough and we should stop, rather than like every other promotion that does it that is predominantly or all men. And when they start selling out, um, well, though we didn't sell out, but when you start drawing enough people in a big venue, you run some big venues. Again, that's pretty much how it goes when you're growing a company. But because we're a women's company, they expected us to just do it that once to prove a point and then go back to where we were. Not only did they have that ridiculous viewpoint going, but they also genuinely seemed to think that wrestling was fixed now. I mean, even Stephanie McMahon interrupted Charlotte and said, like, it was male-dominated. No, woman, it is male-dominated. We have facts and figures that show it is extremely male dominated it's ridiculous to say otherwise it's just point blank lying and you can say it again and again and again and yes if people are just listening to you they're going to start saying that so what i one thing i thought is with the audience don't be those stupid people don't be those stupid people that are the ones that voted trump you know don't be like them actually look at the facts here don't be a sheep actually look at what's going on is it improving yes slowly is that good that's fantastic we want it to improve should we just stop now no we shouldn't don't parrot that we don't need feminism anymore because everything's fine now rubbish at me look at the statistics and you can see that everything is not fine everything is not equal and we need to keep working and we need to keep pushing um so just be smart and open your eyes and don't just listen to people telling you it's fine and actually look at the reality of the situation. The other one is just my general anger and irritation at other promoters because they just need to do better. And I'm kind of, I've literally, I've hit the point where I've decided I'm going to make some stickers that say, uh, well done, you did one women's match. 
possibly <laughs> with a thumbs up. Um, and and then I'll just get those so fans can just go and pop them on the promoter. Just give them a nice little sticker. Thumbs up. You did one women's match. Good job. Why just one? Because that means it's like you. It's just a feature match. Look at that. We did the women, and it's it's ridiculous. They shouldn't be just ticking boxes. There are so many amazing, uh, talented women out there. We've shown that with Eve. They should be on your card. The only reason you're not booking them would just be like, oh, women. Or, yeah, but I've got right. a women's match. You don't say, yeah, but I've got a men's match. You've got a lot of men's matches. It's not good enough, and I think people just need to keep pointing it out. And that's what I'm here for, to keep pointing it out. I'll get my stickers. I may, I'm may. i also considering like a, a Darth Vader thing, you know, like your lack of women's wrestling disturb me kind of deal <laughs> right that would be awesome yeah so maybe like two stickers so like a sarcastic one for the one women's match and then just the disturbing one for no women's matches and then maybe just some kind of like oh no you're, you're actually awesome one for you know people who are actually killing it and doing enough uh, and actually putting on multiple women's matches and putting them in storylines and having stuff happening and those people can get an actual nice sticker if they want, or and a lollipop. Though maybe not lollipops. Mm, I don't know. It might be a bit weird and impractical, always having to have them on you. Right. It's very strange. Anyway, stickers. Yeah, I'll make stickers because they're just they're letting they're letting the side down. We're trying to make a change, and they're just stuck in their ways, and they don't want to change. And they don't think they're being sexist still, even though they're doing that. I had a company who were doing like this convention thing. Yeah. And they have some other wrestling promotions that were doing stuff there. But they didn't ask Eve. And I just said to them, like, hey, why didn't you ask Eve? And they were like, oh, well, we want to make sure it's promotions that people definitely knew about and that like had a, had a strong media presence now this is this was happening just after we'd been the lead story on buzzfeed right. when we were just uh, having that feature going up that played every hour on the bbc news and they were saying that uh, they were only one of the companies that, that were known for getting publicity and the the only one in companies that had like a certain quality of wrestling and everything but they just kept saying, I can assure you, though, it's not sexism. Oh, and we, sure. <laughs> and we're looking at the whole time like, because mm, you see, I it's think it really is. seeming like sexism because we've had more publicity than these people that you've, this other company, and, and we've got more followers than this other company, and we're running more shows and getting more fans in than this company, and we're selling out every show, unlike these companies. But, you know... Yeah, it's not sexism. So, so what is it? Because that's literally the only thing that we had that was different to theirs is that every wrestler we used was a woman. But yeah, I, I'm a ranter. <laughs> I'll stop. No, no, it's no, it's all good. It's all good. When um, this is something that I, I've always kind of noticed when it comes to like the promotions that you know have, um women's divisions in it and i'm going to you know specifically i'm going to uh, point this, this question towards the wwe is that sometimes i feel like whenever they sort of spotlight something that's going on with their women it almost comes off as a little bit self-congratulatory 
of do you ever feel that way that when these promotions are you know spotlighting women's matches or the wrestlers or the division as a whole that instead of kind of making it as yo these uh these women can do you know can run with the boys that they're almost like oh look what we did we're we we're doing great stuff for women you ever feel like it's a little bit too self-congratulatory Oh, see, this is a difficult one because, one, I do not watch WWE. I do watch um, Nikki's matches, Nikki Cross, because obviously she was an East champion. Right. Um, I love seeing how she's doing, and we still get on well with her. So, yeah, I will watch her matches, and there are the, uh, you know, there'll be, I'll try and watch some of the women's matches, and I will watch the pay-per-view matches and like if there's a historic one like a woman's doing the main event i'll make the effort to watch that but the way they present wrestling wrestling is a medium not a genre the genre that they put their wrestling in i'm just not a fan of so i do not watch it with how they present their women's wrestling i feel that they are a business and for them it Nothing is special if you don't tell people that it's special. They need to tick standards and tick boxes. So for me, I just feel like as an outsider from the bits that I've seen that they're doing it like as a very obvious company business thing. Look, we do the women now. Look at this. We need to make sure that you look at this so you can notice that we're doing it. But that is just a standard business tactic. If you've got something new you have to really tell people that it's a new product and that it's really good that's what advertising is so i don't know if i have any particular issues in how they're doing it because i have not seen enough of it the thing that really stopped me watching from nxt because i was watching and keeping up with nxt was when triple h kept coming out and talking about a women's revolution and he just kept saying it but nothing was changing. And I was looking around, and it's almost when you just stand up, stand up you're like, I don't understand what's happening. Because I was looking at people online talking about a women's revolution. I was looking at fans around me telling me about this women's revolution. I was looking at Triple H standing there saying that there's a women's revolution. And then I was looking at the product that had exactly the same going on it that it had a few weeks before. And, a few, and I'm like, but there does not appear to have been a change. Uh, to, and this is just to start with. When he first started saying it, it did appear that nothing was changing apart from the fact that they said it had. And it was surreal. But then they did start giving the women more time and doing more with them. I'm the one annoying person that stands there and says, like, well, statistically, by the end of the year, you should be able to look at the figures and the representation of men and women should be around 50-50. Not dead on. It could be that you have a few months where the men are getting more featured than a few months where the women are getting more featured, depending on storylines, depending on angles, all of that. But when you get to the end of the year, you should be able to look at it and be like, yeah, it's pretty much 50-50 throughout the year. There's pretty much equal representation. And I'm not going to rest until there is. And I think everyone else should do the same. And I think it doesn't mean that we can't celebrate when things are changing and when things are doing well. But again, like I was saying earlier, it doesn't mean that we should say it's fine and we can stop now. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think on how I think about the way 
that they're presenting. I think it's a lot of words, and so I just try and kind of kind of just brush over it in my mind. To me, I'm seeing it as a business, that they are very business in their tactics. So they are doing like the basic standard advertising. We have done this, and so look, we are doing this to make sure that people notice that they're doing it. We do it with Eve. We pointed out and we told everyone that we were doing the first ever all women's wrestling show in London. And we told them that it had been banned for 50 years. Um, I mean, we did it because I think the vast majority of wrestling fans genuinely didn't know. Um, right. Yeah. You're putting sort of a historical balance into it also. Yeah. But also we did make sure that people knew and we really did harp on about it. So from a business point of view, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I feel I failed you on this question. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, no, you, you answered it perfectly. No, I d- definitely believe, you know, um, agree with you that it's sort of like, they kind of come out at it as like, yeah, like a business, like a marketing, like they got their, you know, bullet points and this is what they're trying to, to sell you upon, you know, and that's how it kind of yeah. comes off as. Far more professional than me. <laughs> they don't they don't sit down and be like, right, I'm going to have this little rant now and then go on about the things that they're angry with. <laughs> yeah, that's something that I get. That's why um, there, there is like there will be a solid amount of people and there always will be that strongly dislike me. And it is because I am stubborn and a stickler on my morals. But I, uh, uh, my morals. But the main thing I think is probably because. I am very open and honest about how I am and who I am, and I always will be, which means I am definitely not professional or what people will see as professional all the time. So there is a reason for that. (laughs) And a big part of it is that I want other people who are bipolar, who if I had a very professional front would just look and think, this woman with bipolar is completely fine. Look at everything she's doing. She's got all that together. She's taken the tablet, she's better. And they'll feel bad about themselves every time they have a bad day. Whereas if I'm me and actually open about how I'm being, they could be like, oh, look at that woman. She's doing all of that. But oh, my God, look, look at that Instagram story. She's not wearing anything. Her hair's not been washed clearly. She's clearly still in her pajamas. She's having a rough day. She's like crying at Twitter statuses. She's not doing too well. And then they can feel that they can understand that with mental health, it's not a quick fix and it doesn't just go away. And they don't need to have a, feel like a failure when they have a bad day. And they don't need to feel like they're going back to square one when they have a bad day. And that's genuinely why I do it. So people can look and be like, oh, look, she's all over the place because she is bipolar. <laughs> and that is fine. So, yeah, that's why I do it. Because there's this little thing that even if it is one person that thinks that one time and it makes them gives them more hope and reminds them that they can keep going. Um, that's enough. That's a massive thing. And it's just such a massive thing that I would have been able to accomplish in my life. So if you're ever wondering why is Emily unprofessional on Twitter, <laughs> it's because I think it's very important for me to be honest about how I'm doing. But yes, WWE, professional bullet points. That's, and they know their market, or they certainly know the market that they, they want, they know the market they have, they know their shareholders, they know what their shareholders are looking for, and they're doing business. They're not doing a business in a way that I could, 
Uh, I definitely couldn't have done that Saudi Arabia show. But that doesn't mean that they're doing a load of terrible stuff. I don't know. They're just doing their business. Oh, dear. A lot of the stuff that you just talked about, um, it kind of leads me into this next question where um, when it comes to Pro Wrestling Eve, you've... um, You've kind of, you know, positioned yourself as this sort of, you know, the face of the company. Uh, you're very outspoken about everything that you hope to accomplish with Pro Wrestling Eve. With a lot of other uh, organizations that have been geared towards um, women's wrestling, you know, whether it's been, you know, today or in the past, there's always been that sort of like male figure that was sort of the figurehead how important was it for you to sort of be this sort of the figurehead of this organization funnily enough it was always extremely important to dan because he would always say i'm he's the analytical guy and he's extremely skilled and knowledgeable in wrestling but he'd always say i was almost he's the got that brain i've got the heart Um, he would always say no one is more passionate about what we are fighting for and what we believe in. Not that he is not passionate, but the fire that I have and the belief in it. He just felt that no one could ever do do it justice like me. He always felt it should be a woman, but he felt specifically it should be me uh, because of what it means to me and, and because of what, that nobody can answer the question like I would and no one could give a truthful statement on what the base of the company was and, and get that passion across like me. So it's been very important to him from the start that I was incredibly camera shy. So then I had a, a breakdown and I was sectioned and it was a sadly a big, big breakdown and it, it took the, the two years for me to kind of piece everything back together again and for us to be able to say that we could run a show. And when we relaunched Eve, we booked a woman as a ring announcer, even though Dan kept saying that he felt maybe I should do it and maybe I should speak as well, because he'd really like that. But obviously he didn't want to push me because I was really recovering. He's always managed to find a good balance between pushing me, um, whether it would make me unstable, but pushing me just enough out of my comfort zone to keep me going and not letting me just be like, this is good enough, and and not trying to keep getting well. So, he, uh, well, we booked uh, a woman as a ring announcer, and then a week before the show, something happened, and she wasn't able to make it anymore. And he just turned to me and went, well, Emily, it's you or me. Do you reckon you can just do it just this once? Um, and we happened to share an office with a hypnotherapist. He actually started the band Cradle of Phil. So okay. she's like just a badass hypnotherapist just standard rock and roll hypnotherapist as you do um, and I went to see him and yeah I had some hypnotherapy to help me with stage fright and got in the ring and was incredibly awkward but it just kind of all stemmed from there that I realized on that day when we came back and I completely out of nowhere decided to talk about my bipolar because I knew from a lot of the women we hadn't worked with before and audience members from what they had been saying, that they thought we stopped because the women weren't drawing. But we stopped because I was sectioned and 
we went bankrupt. So you can't run shows when you're bankrupt and half the, you know, half your workforce is locked up. So I thought it was really important that people knew the actual genuine truth of why it stopped. I didn't think it was right that people would see all of their hard work and just say, just like fob it off and be like, oh, yeah, but in the end, they couldn't maintain it. And it was through doing that that I realized that Dan was right and that it, it did make a difference when things were coming from me. And so we kept it up. So whether it was, it's something that has been important to Dan and it's something that helps me weirdly mentally um, because it's constantly, constantly me having to push myself and keep trying to be healthy enough to make sure I can make, uh, you know, ring and out the shows to make sure I can speak to the audience to make sure I can do interviews like this. Uh, but it was, yeah, it, we were always going to have a woman as a figurehead when we came back as in as a ring announcer. But, but to be able to actually act as the figurehead and, and to be able to do that, I think it does add to it. And with the, the plan is for every role to be filled by a woman in EVE. It's just uh, getting people built up and ready to be in that area. Apart from our crew, because we have a solid crew and a load of them are men and they've been there with us from the beginning and it's a bit messed up to boot them out and be like, you're not in our family anymore because <laughs> men. <laughs> but yeah, that was like a really bizarre and roundabout way of answering that it, um, we, if Dan always wanted me there speaking, I was always too scared to speak for lots and lots of reasons. And the thing we had when I did start speaking is it was me post-breakdown. Um, I don't know anybody who's had a full breakdown and had to build their brain back up will know that you, you kind of like literally you're putting it back together section by section. Like, okay, now I'm going to learn how to make eye contact with people. Okay, now I'm going to learn how to walk out the front door. And you're doing it like that. And I hit this bit where it was like, now I'm going to learn, you know, how to be polite and put my manners on and do all the bits that my parents have taught me how I sit like a lady and all my etiquette bits um and then I decided fuck that that's a proper waste of time and here's the bit where you learn how to be polite around Tories and I was like ah fuck them <laughs> <laughs> and so I just just literally this was me talking who had decided it wasn't worth my energy to try and be a sweet polite quiet woman anymore um and so I didn't bother putting it back in, which means when Eve got me, it got me. <laughs> it didn't get demure, Emily. It didn't get a little quiet woman. But there would never have been a male figurehead because the idea that you would do an all-women's company but still have a man there controlling them, come on. And that's, that's a bit weird. Right. With, uh, with you and Dan running Eve... How do you sort of uh, keep your own individuality within this pro wrestling industry that when there are like sort of when there are relationships between men and women, you know, at times defined by the men that they're married to or they're dating? How, do you, how were you able to keep your individuality? I'm just not the kind of person who wouldn't. Um, it's why um, hand on heart, I could say that. I, I would never be working for WWE as much of it's so many people's dream jobs. For me, it wouldn't be because I don't like 
having restrictions on my life. I'm terrible for it. If you want me to do something, probably tell me that I am I cannot do it because that's that's pretty much I'm I'm that pathetic. It's pretty <laughs> much guaranteed to be like, well, I will, and then it will be something really stupid, and hopefully my brain would kick in and be like, yeah, but don't. I mean, you could, but just don't. That's a silly thing to do. But yeah, we're keeping our own individuality. I I am owned by no one. I am me, and that's that. And Dan would not try and change that just like I wouldn't try and change him. I've had people on Twitter tweet me and say, control your man, because Dan said something they didn't agree with. And I I had to walk away because I would have flown at that person. I could not believe they control my man. He's not a dog. He's a human. And he's like, would someone dare tell him control your woman? That's disgusting things to say. People are individuals and you do not try and control them. And so I think it's probably that we have a healthy relationship. So we we stay our own people and we love we love and respect each other as people. So and we can that means that we can do stuff that the other one doesn't agree with. And it can be a little thing like Dan can walk down rocking his T-shirt tucked into his shorts and his big white socks pulled up with his shoes. And I'm like. I'm not loving that look. And he's like, yeah, well, I like it. I'm comfortable. And it's like, cool. All right. Let's walk to town then. And I'm still going to walk next to him. I'm still going to be there with him in town. I'm not going to send him up and make him get changed because I'm looking at that outfit thinking, I don't know what has happened with you. But that's ridiculous. But I still love him to bits and he's still a person and I'm not going to try and dress him like a doll or take away his individuality. And it's the same like with my hair. I I've never thought to run past a style change with Dan. So, you know, when I shaved off most of my hair for my mohawk, at no point did I even consider texting Dan and being like, by the way, I have a mohawk now. I turned up at the train station because we were heading to London and he looked and went, oh, cool. <laughs> and then we just got the train because it's still me. That's and awesome. If I've, I don't think, I think I've worn something where he was like, I'm not digging it. And I was like, oh, I love it. And that was pretty much the end of the conversation. But yeah, we respect each other as individuals and as people. And I think that's the thing. We're considerate of each other, but we love each other. So we wouldn't try and force us to be someone else because why would we? I love Dan, so I would never force him to be someone else because I love him. And that's that. And there might be situations where I'd be... Say with the clothes situation, if I said like, well, I understand why you wouldn't wear that. But for me, could you wear something like this today? Because we're going to see this and it would make me feel more comfortable or something like that. And because he's considerate, he would go and do that if I had a reason. And if it was for just a reason that I was feeling really anxious and really uncomfortable and we're going to, I don't like a solicitor's. If we're having to do a meeting, I'm like, I'd just like you maybe wear something like this. And even though he'd think it was ridiculous, he'd go do it because he loves me and is considerate of me as a person. So there are things like that. But we I think that's it, really the key to a relationship surviving within wrestling is just the key to a relationship surviving, just to love and respect each other as individuals. And because of that, you trust each other as well. And I think that's also very important in wrestling. Uh, because 
I don't know, but I, I don't know. I don't really go in with any of the gossip, and I do not know if it happens with promoters a lot. But I know there is cheating that has happened in wrestling because it's been on fucking my Twitter feed all the time, so I know oh, it yeah. happens. <laughs> um, but if you've got that trust and respect for each other as individuals, it wouldn't happen because when you respect someone. You wouldn't do that. At the very least, you'd say to them, hey, I want to do this with this person. Is that something we can work out? Or is that a relationship that we, we're just not working anymore? You know? Oh, hey, sweetheart. As, um, as you sort of wind down this interview, uh, when you th- sort of think about, you know, everything you've done in pro wrestling with Pro Wrestling Eve, in regards, and also regards to everything in, regard, in your life, if somebody was listening to this this interview that had no idea what you do, don't even watch wrestling, what's something about your life that they, you know, a lesson that they, you could sort of extract out of your life that, you know, that anybody could, you know, appropriate to their own life? Um, that would, mine would just be to do with mental health and from my life and from what you've done, it's the littlest thing. And that is that you don't have to be ashamed of what are symptoms. You wouldn't be ashamed when you were, if you have a cold and you're sneezing, you wouldn't be ashamed of that. So when you're mentally ill, you don't need to be ashamed that you haven't showered for a week. It's a symptom and it's not nice. And I know it is sad that you're ill, but you don't need to be ashamed about it and you're not alone because there are loads of other people who have also not showered for a week because they are also not well and they happen to have that symptom too. So for people who know nothing, who if they knew nothing about me or about wrestling, that's one thing that I would want to say to anyone. So if, it, if you don't suffer from mental health but you've noticed it in a friend, you don't need to judge that either. That Try and understand it as a symptom. And I always uh, like to end all my interviews uh, for the podcast in the same way. Uh, and I gave you this question ahead of time to think about, um, who is somebody that's been a part of your life or career that I could realistically interview that would have some good stories and lessons to, to talk about? Uh, see, I read that and immediately thought, well, Dan is the obvious one, but Dan is also someone who I don't think ever knows how to take a work break. So <laughs> if you, Dan, um, was not available, then it would be seeing if you could get Rhea O'Reilly. Um, and she is an amazing human being, along with being an amazing wrestler. So, yeah, those two would be my suggestions. Well, actually, I, I have been in talks with uh, Rhea to have her on the podcast. And, uh, I'll let you go. Looks like, yeah, we're going to try to do something real soon. So, yeah, she was definitely somebody that I wanted to have on the podcast, too. She is awesome. She's one of my best friends. So, um just because she's just such a good person. And she's also known me from before and after the breakdown. And I always really, I like have a special place in my heart for people who have just literally seen you fully fall apart and go back together again. That is my dog. See, yes, my dog says it, it is definitely the end of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, mama, pay attention to me before. Uh, yeah. Before we get out of here, um, uh, if anybody wants to get more information about, you know, what you and Pro Wrestling Eve are all about and check out uh, shows and whatnot, where can they go online? 
they can go to evewrestling.com and that's where we have all the information on upcoming shows. We have the information on our wrestling academy there and also the information on Shevolution, which is basically Eve's NXT, if you wanted to call it that. Uh, or you can get us on Twitter. We're at Pro Wrestling Eve. And on Instagram, we're also at Pro Wrestling Eve. Awesome. It's been, a, it's been great talking with you. A lot of great stories. And it's been beautiful. Oh, thank you so much for having me on your, on your show. So that was my interview with Emily Reed of Pro Wrestling Eve. More information about Pro Wrestling Eve will be in the show notes of this episode at freshisthepodcast.com. Now on to the Fresh is the Word, Fresh Pick of the Week. This episode's pick is the split 12-inch vinyl featuring Portland's Clitorati in Oakland's Violation Wound via Taint Crimes Records. Clitorati is a Oregon-based hardcore punk collective featuring members of the band's Poison Idea, Voetsek, and Murderous, that best described as Discharged Doom-influenced queercore D-beat thrash crust. They believe in equality through inclusion, and on the flip side, feature an autopsy and former Abscess member Chris Reinford on guitars and vocals, alongside bassist Joe Oteri and drummer Matt O'Connell, Violation Wound comes with a hard and aggressive punk rock. What's great about the split is it really does boast inclusion. These are two bands that have a common goal but do it in their own unique way. It's all about coming together and letting it all out through some ass-kicking riffs. Clitorati also released a three-track Nuked at Birth EP recently. That's available for free download on their Bandcamp page, which will be also listed in the show notes for this episode. Now that's another episode of Fresh of the Word in the books. And before we get out of here, I definitely want to give a shout out to Knox Money, Bang Belushi, and Foulmouth for the theme music for Fresh of the Word each week. And then also I want to remind you how you can uh, support the podcast. You can always go to freshofthepodcast.com and share any links that you see on the website and any of your social media. You can subscribe to Fresh of the Word at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, Google Play, and TuneIn. Just type in Fresh of the Word and it should come up. We're working on getting some more uh, platforms to uh, carry Fresh of the Word also. So I'll definitely let you know when that's in, uh, up and running. And please, if you can, rate and review the uh, podcast, especially on Apple Podcasts. It would definitely help out the show greatly. Uh, and if I do see that you left a comment, I'll definitely read it on air. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly Omega Fresh and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash KFresh. And you can follow Fresh of the Word online and on Twitter at FITW Podcast, on Instagram at Fresh of the Word Podcast, and at Facebook at Facebook.com slash Fresh of the Podcast. So that's another episode in the books. Thanks for listening. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.